Hello, this is Richard C. Wilson at the Family Office Club, and today we're doing a Distressed Investment Structures and Strategies virtual discussion panel. Uh, right now we're recording this during kind of the, vi the virus crisis, so everyone's uh, locked at home mostly. And so we want to simulate some of the advice and strategies we'll be sharing at our conferences, but do it via a Zoom call like this. So throughout this call, the goal is really to share all different uh, perspectives on how to structure and identify opportunities right now. There's a lot of negative news and negative talk, but in, in whenever there's change and a whole bunch of people going to cash and there's liquidity and big changes in liquidity, there's always opportunities that can come of that. So we want to kind of pick the brains of a few investors here and see what their thoughts are. So first, let's introduce each of you that are on the panel here today. Uh, Camille, would you like to go first? I've heard of um, some VC firms talking about sourcing deals in Canada or Michigan or the Midwest, and then they arbitrage by then going to Silicon Valley where everything's valued so much higher. I hear from other people that say, I live in Silicon Valley. I see 100 deals a day. I don't need to go anywhere. All the best deals are here. You know, forget the rest of the world. You know, I know that um, Tel Aviv is like a second Silicon Valley. So maybe some people there feel somewhat similar. Um, I just am curious about your thoughts on that arbitrage. You know, we don't have time to go into like the full in-depth, I'm sure that you're capable of doing so, but for the normal investor is trying to make sense of venture capital and they hear those types of things, what's, kind of, what's your response to that? Is it, um, is it so nuanced and situational? You can't just generically say one way or another, you know, what you think is really accurate and appropriate, or can you comment on that a little bit? I will share my point of view. Um, sure. As I said, I'm a venture partner with Grishin Robotics as well, and Grishin is very focused on the U.S. Strive, we've always been multi-geography. Okay. Uh, I used to say geo-agnostic, but you know, multi-geo might be a better way of, 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 of describing it. Um, arbitrage, I think, is never a really good word for early-stage investing because it's really not about the valuation. It's really about potential and acceleration and whether a company can be 10x, 100x of what it is today, sure. uh, or even more than that in some cases. So. Uh, what I would say, in, and I defend multi-geo because of that, is if you look at where the great companies are emerging uh, around consumer, around enterprise software, around software as a service, they're all over the world. Innovation's happening everywhere. I lived right. in Beijing for six years. I would allege Beijing is going to take over Silicon Valley if it hasn't already. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. see how the recovery from COVID is going to happen. So being mm -hmm. present in different markets and seeing those opportunities, not so much because of the arbitrage on valuation and the chase of talent, et cetera, but it's really more because of the opportunities opportunity itself. The second thing I would mention is I do think in the last five years, Silicon Valley has moved very much from this orthodoxy of we need to have breakfasts every week to the orthodoxy of saying, actually, I don't mind if you have distributed teams. So that part is widely accepted. It's very difficult okay. to hire engineers in the Bay Area. They're extremely expensive. And so right. people are really adopting this notion of having a distributed team more and more. Right, right. Probably even more so if they survive this whole virus, you know, doing Zoom calls like this every day. And some people are going to realize it works and some are going to have a meltdown because it's not going to work for them, of course. But Indeed. yeah, I appreciate you, you talking about that. Any other points you know you wanted to make sure and get across on the questions that we had sent over I, to you? I don't know if you I'm not going to toot my horn too much, but I do think this is the right time to be in the private equity and venture capital space in terms of assets and investment. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, as I mentioned before, because we are where we are, a lot of the companies that are resilient enough to go through it and raise money, a lot of mm -hmm. the companies that are being created in and around it will be the dominant players in many of these platforms in the future. We've seen that in the past. There's historical evidence of this, you know, in, in the, the late 90s, 2000, 2001, 2008. 
And so I think it's actually a good time to, to play around venture capital, to play around private equity, be it with direct investments, be it through investing in funds. It's, it's a really good time to be in the market on the private equity side. Sure, sure. Great. And uh, Jake, any last uh, points you wanted to make sure and get across during the panel? Yeah, I think just, um, uh, you know, a little bit to kind of revisit kind of not necessarily deals that we're looking for, but really what we see this is this is a time to start forming some, some potential partnerships with, with people, um, you know, like Camille and, and, and Bill and Kip that are looking for people that kind of have the in the trenches experience, you know, that's kind of where we've, uh, you know, experienced and that's kind of what we were born out of, you know, uh, you know, Bill mentioned it earlier, there's John Gray had a, a lunch years ago uh, in Chicago and, you know, and I don't remember if it was Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns, whenever they blew up, you know, uh, he was at dinner with his wife and uh, he doesn't have his cell phone because his wife doesn't like him uh, having that. And uh, so, but, you know, Steve Schwartzman had to track him down in a restaurant and say, get on the phone, get to work, you know, the, the world's ending. And so when, when, uh, and what he said is he went into his office and said, Hey, if this is not the end of the world, what are the opportunities that lie? Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, we aggregated some single family rental portfolios that we sold off to invitation homes and to Blackstone. And that was opportunities that didn't exist previously. Um, and, and as far as, uh, you know, like what Bill was saying, kind of the value trap, there are things that now we're going to have and, and make sense that never made sense before aggregation of single family rentals. We don't think that's the, the space that's going to operate, but connecting with people, especially um, with the U S dollar strengthening so much, we see more international capital coming into the market. We see more people playing defensive as far as against Venezuela or, you know, troubled Latin and Central American countries. Uh, the peso is going to struggle uh, for a while. Uh, and so we, we look at that as how, how can we help some of those people position and, and be those operators with boots on the ground. And that's big. And, and to lead to your question is that's the biggest issue that we've discovered in this is when you're spreading out between different markets, just as Camille said, there's a lot of legal challenges. There's a lot of logistic coordination elements um, that didn't exist and didn't have anybody focusing on. And that's what we've really built since 08 is, is teams that, that figured out and models and invested into the infrastructure that allows people to do things that they never thought they were going to be able to do. Sure. Sure. Great. And uh, Bill, any last uh, comments you want to get in? Sure. Thanks. Uh, gosh, you know, everything's on sale. There's so many opportunities out there, but let me, run through just a list I had off the top of my head that might be interesting to the audience. Alternatives held up really well this time around as compared to the 2008 financial crisis. And there are a number of them. I think we have a 55% market share of the alternative space. I can name 15 different funds pre this dislocation that were returning over on a five-year average, 12 to 15% annually. And that number has now gone up. I think the tactical opportunity funds, not only on our platform, but others are really exciting right now. I think lending to business, we have uh, several funds that do that since we cannot proprietary trade with post-Dodd-Frank, uh, the lending to business uh, funds are really exciting. I think US equities and emerging markets are very interesting. I don't think international is gonna recover very quickly. And even though they're pouring a lot of money in, uh, 
while the ECB is becoming functional, the governments of various countries are not, and you might uh, wait on that. Real estate, <clears throat> prior to the dislocation, the cap rates were still really low, uh, meaning the prices were high and the quality of the inventory was not as good as you would like to see. I think it's uh, to be determined um, whether the uh, interim stop gap of the government is gonna bridge enough of this commercial real estate or whether like Carl Icahn says, he's shorting commercial mortgages and such, whether a dislocation occurs. And then I really like what Nuno said, uh, uh, you definitely want a slice of PE and VC I know, Richard, that's, that's your wheelhouse. Um, definitely, here's, here's your time to go cherry picking. Uh, when I spoke or met um, with you uh, almost three years ago and two years ago, at that time, the question of most family offices was, what are you doing? And they said, absolutely nothing for the next 18 months. We've gone to cash. Well, now is the time to put that cash to work. Right, right. Great. Thank you, Bill. And uh, Kim, any last uh, comments you want to make? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll go back to the old adage, to make money, don't lose money, and rely on the professionals. <laughs> right, right, yeah, for sure. And I think to uh, reemphasize uh, an angle on that, if you haven't lost too much money or you were sitting on cash like Bill's talking about, it's a good time to be spending money. I know one of my clients just filled his warehouse with raw materials and negotiated 50% off, you know, while doing so. Um, unfortunately, our office space lease is uh, ending soon. Otherwise, I was going to go to my landlord and say, hey, can I prepay seven months and get a month off? I mean, I'm going to be paying it anyway. So if they need if they need the cash now, they might appreciate the offer if it's not so aggressive that it, it doesn't insult them. So it depends on what business you're in. But some in some cases, it could be an opportunity to use that liquidity not only for investment, but shoring up our operating businesses or hiring talent and getting talent that's not being treated well by other companies and then being able to acquire them at a time like this, perhaps. Uh, Camille, uh, what about yourself or any last comments? Uh, I'd like to share a, a perspective on a macroeconomics. Looking at the United States, when I'm always asked, why do you have so much faith in the United States? I say mm -hmm. because if it's macroeconomic policy. And today, today, if we look at from a macroeconomic perspective for the United States, and for those who want to compare, what we're going through today compared to 2008, I want to tell them we are completely different. In 2008, the entire economy receded and then slowly rebounded. Some right. sectors before others, some regions before others, but the entire economy had the same uplift. Today, take a step back and count how many industries are being wiped out. Look at the cruise companies, look at the restaurants, look at the universities, look at student housing, look at the theater, look at the service providers that provide services for those cruise ships and for those airlines and for those that are involved into large, large crowd of people that get together. If it is a conference or a club or it is the subway in New York or the buses, we are going through what Ronald Reagan said in, in, in the 80s, a new world order. Make an assessment of what is the outcome of printing $2 trillion and how and what type of stagflation this might create in the USA. And the people who are not working, how can they afford a higher, higher price for food, for diapers, and for rent, and even, even for companies that have that co-working or co-living, Mm -hmm. All that is going to be a concern because of the new culture of isolation. 
People don't want to go back to the city. I think now people that can afford to buy single family homes around New York are going to be looking into this. I'm not saying every one of them, those that can afford, but there will be a new mentality and a new mindset in America coming after this COVID-19. Right, right. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, I do think that this is not going to be the last time we're on lockdown. I think it's going to happen again now. These gates have opened and people will be criticized if they don't lock down even faster the next time around. So I, you know, I think we all hope that's not the case. I think it would be beneficial to at least think about that scenario and how to plan for the next time or two or three that this might happen. Uh, So that's great. Yeah, thanks for everyone's time here today. I think with any one of you, we could easily talk for an hour about your area of expertise. So thanks for the patience having five of us on here. I know there's all more that each of you could be adding to the conversation. And we are doing the one-on-one investor mandate interviews that are just seven to 10 10 minutes long, but gives you another chance to kind of explain your perspective and what you're looking to invest in and uh, your piece of advice for investors listening. So um, thanks for your time again. And once the live events start up, hopefully in late May or June, then hope to have, you know, each of you on stage, one of those events. So thanks for the contribution here today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Richard.